You're listening to the Mobcast Network. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Boys. Welcome to another episode of the Triple Name Sports Show. I'm your host, Aaron Lynch-Kelly. And I'm your jack-of-all-trades, El Jefe Loco. Making his, uh, making his triumphant return. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a spotty past few weeks. Yeah, you've been, you've been a little out of it, you've, yeah, <laughs> by yeah. your own um, words. Yeah, I, I have. I've been out of the loop for the past couple weeks. Everybody's been like, where have you been? I've been busy. <laughs> but uh, glad to have you back. Um, and without um, further ado, as I said, if you listen to last week's episode, this is going to be a predominantly West Virginia State um, heavy show. We are still going to have our snap jabs and our bad news segment and, and things of that nature. But for the vast majority of the show, it is going to be about West Virginia State University athletics. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get things going. <clears throat> um, and this is coming up real soon. Um, Coach Cal Bailey is going to be honored. Uh, West Virginia State University is planning to, a reception to honor former baseball coach Cal Bailey on February 7th, 7th, 2015. In 1978, Cal Bailey became the head coach at West Virginia State University baseball for the baseball program. During the course of his 36, years, 36 seasons, Coach Bailey would accumulate over 1,000 wins and 18 conference titles, culminating in the historic first Mountain East Conference Championship in 2014. Join the state family as we celebrate Coach Bailey's distinguished legacy as a coach and athlete and at a reception on Saturday, February 7th, 2015 from 6 to 8 p.m. in the Wilson University Union. The tribute will embody the spirit of Coach Cal, friendly, informal, and fun. To ensure Coach Bailey's legacy lives on at WVSU, the university invites alumni, friends, and fans to help realize one of his long-held dreams to leave a fund of at least $100,000 to support the state baseball program. Contributions are being accepted at, um, and we'll, we'll send out a link to the website in post-production, and are gratefully appreciated. To RSVP for the reception, or for more information, please call, please call Nate Burton at 304-204-4354. And again, that's coming up real soon, so um, as soon as you... Uh, can hear this message if you're interested in coming, you should probably contact um, Nate Burton to, to get that going because um, it'll be definitely a great a great time to come out and see Coach Cal Bailey um, on campus again. And uh, it'd be really interesting to see who all comes out, um, ex-players, fans, alumni, and stuff, stuff like that. Um, and I'm going to toss it over for you to read the first part of West Virginia State News. WVSU Basketball News and Notes. The WVSU men's basketball team rallied from a 15-point deficit to pull within one point with 3.54 to play before finally falling 93-89 to visiting Wheeling Jesuit uh, Saturday afternoon and from in front of a uh, boisterous Walker Convocation Center crowd. The Yellow Jackets were forced to play down the stretch without starters Marky Mazik and Demetrius Yonyoy, who each was charged with a tactical for their fifth foul. 
Mazik went out with 442 to play, and WVSU trailing by five. The six foot six junior still led all scores on the day with 27 points. Yonoy hit back to back three pointers immediately after that. The second cutting uh, the Cardinal lead to 76, 77-76, but picked up two personal fouls and a technical within uh, a 42-second stretch right afterwards. He finished with 12 points after hitting four out of five from beyond the arc. The Yellow Jackets shot a toward 61.3% while putting up 62 points in the second half to fight their way back into the game. Damian Harris finished finished with 18 points and 8 rebounds, and Dominic Phillips added 12 points and 3 assists for WBSU. Now that game, um, I'm going to stop you right there real fast, that game, you know, you were on your own for that game. I was. I was there by myself. I, um, it was my daughter's birthday party, so I wasn't there, and then uh, Stevenson had to go to work, so yes. yeah, you were you were calling that game by yourself, and I know um, later in the day you texted me and said that that was, uh, it was quite a game, quite oh, a finish. Oh, it was, it was. Um, it was just, it was crazy because... Mazik, he, I, every time he touched the ball, he'd shoot it from uh, three-point land. And, you know, you would sit there and you'd think, oh, he's just doing that for kicks now. No, it, it nothing but net. He'd hit it every time. Then he got tactical and got uh, kicked out. Then right after that, here comes Demetrius in his little cozy corner spot in front of the broadcast. They were just, foop, 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 just one after another. Then he got kicked out. And, you know, the fans... Uh, I, you know, it was a tough loss. It was a very tough loss. But as the players was going to the uh, locker room, fans was coming off the bleachers to go over there to greet the players. So I thought that was awesome. And there was a – I'm not saying it. So it, w- it was a great environment, though. It, for was, the- it was. It was a, It was a, It was. was probably the, the best environment I've been in within the Walker Convocation Center. But the tension, you could cut – Cut it with a knife. Okay. The leading scorer for uh, West Virginia State, uh, as of right now, is Dominic Phillips with 318, 308 points. Uh, he averages 15.4 points per game. The leading rebounder is Steve Wing with 147 points, uh, 147 boards, uh, with 6.7 rebounds per game. Leading assist, uh, Dominic Phillips yet again, 98 assists for 4.9 assists per game. Leading steals, Dominic Phillips with 36 steals, 1.8 steals per game. Leading blocker is Walt Reed, 17 blocks, 0.8 blocks per game. And the most minutes is Steve Wing with 557 minutes. He averages 25.3 minutes per game. And leading turnovers is Dominic Phillips with 63, averaging 3.2 turnovers per game. The team's next three games are at Glenville State College, which is later today, West Virginia Wesleyan College on Saturday, February 7th, and at UVA-wise, uh, February 12th. Yeah, there's not much basketball left. There's no. about, uh, I think there's something like 10 games left, and then um, there's, there's the postseason. I know there's a, I know baseball's starting. Yeah, baseball's about to start. Um, their first game is within a week or two. Yeah. Um, and I know last night when we were at the signing day, for uh, West Virginia State's football team, um, we got the chance to talk to Coach Sean Lloyd, and um, we're going to be working with him um, to get a little bit of experience for broadcasting baseball and softball underneath our shoulders. Um, and I'll let you do the rankings as well. The Mountain East Conference men's basketball rankings um, through February 4th, uh, 2015, number one is West Liberty, 
eighteen and two uh, overall with thirteen and two in the conference. Number two is Glenville State, sixteen and five overall, twelve and three in the conference. Number three is Fairmont State, fifteen and six overall, twelve and three in the conference. Number four is uh, UC, fifteen and six overall, ten and five in the conference. Number five is Concord, thir- fourteen and six overall, ten and five in the conference. Number six is William Jesuit, eleven and eight overall, seven to seven in the conference. Uh, right under that, number seven is Shepherd University, twelve and nine overall, seven and eight in the conference. Below them, and number eight is Notre Dame College, eleven and two overall, seven and eight in the conference. Eleven and ten overall, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I thought I said. You said two. Oh, 11 and 10 overall. <laughs> no, they, they, they we found those eight games. Uh, West Virginia Wesleyan at number nine, eight and 13 overall, six and nine in the conference. Below them is West Virginia State, three and 19 overall, three and 11 in the conference. Below them is Urbana, uh, five and 16 overall, two and 13 in the conference. And then to round it all up, number 12. In last place, UVA wise, one and nineteen overall, zero and fifteen in the conference. You know, and and for these teams at the bottom of the the barrel, any basically anybody that's not in the top four, the rest of these games, I mean, for teams that are in you know seventh through twelfth place, for the rest of the season, you know, you don't want to say the games don't count, but there's really no feasible way that you know these these bottom teams in the in the conference are going to move up to that those top four spots. Um, the reason I say the top four spots is because in the in the tournament that the Mountain East Conference um, has, the top four teams get a bye yeah. in the tournament. Um, every team makes it, so you know, come March is when the tournament starts. Come March, you know, that's that's when I guess the second season begins as as everybody goes to uh, zero and zero, and you, you play or you lose, you play or you go home. Yeah. And so um, I'm sure teams, you know, like like UVA, Wise, Urbana, and even um, West Virginia State, you know, to some extent. You know, is is just playing through these games. Not saying they're you know they're going to be you know not not affected if they lose, but they're they're playing for experience. They're playing to get guys healthy and you know just to be able to go into March and just be like, okay, this is a new season. Let's just forget what we were because you know looking at state's record, they're three and nineteen overall and three and eleven in conference play. They're a lot better team than that. Yeah, we you know, seen that the other night. Yeah, you know uh, the team put sixty two points in the second half <clears throat> and very nearly came away with a win. Um, but you know they've they've had their fair share of uh, issues. You know they've um, Devin Delaney, who uh, is no longer on the team. He you know he was the one of the top players on the team. Marquis Mazet goes down second game of the season with a hand injury. Damian Harris isn't allowed to is academically ineligible to play until the second half of the semester. So you, or second half of the season. So you know there there were quite a few um, factors in their record being what it is. But um, you know, talking with Coach Poor on uh, the buzz earlier in the week, he you know he said we're we're a team you know our record is what it is we we can't hide from it. But our team, he was like I believe it, our players believe it, and I think the most the vast majority of our fans believe it. We're a team that's better than three and nineteen, and he so I mean I just want to you know preface that that this team you know despite what the records say, they're a really a really talented basketball team. Um, and the Yellow Jackets um, moving on to the women's side of basketball now. The Yellow Jackets defeated visiting Willing Jesuit 77-74 in women's basketball action sat on Saturday afternoon. Sophomore Shaylin Schaefer had another big game, finishing with 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 2 assists. Alexis Hobbs added 16 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists to the effort. 
after the first 25 minutes of action, saw the lead go back and forth between WVSU and Lillian Jesuit. Um, West Virginia State went ahead 50-49 to on a layup by Trina Current with 13.28 to play and never trailed again with the Jackets' largest lead being 8 points at the 4.23 mark. Free throws from Shea Hines and Rachel Ward in the closing seconds kept the Cardinals from catching up and a final 3-point um, shot by the visitors rimmed out as the buzzer sounded. Uh, leading scorer on the day was Shaylin Schaefer, or leading scorer on the season, excuse me, Shaylin Schaefer with 236 points. That'd be amazing if you were able to put that many points up in a game. Oh, yeah. 236 points throughout the season with 12.4 points per game. Leading rebounder, Shaylin Schaefer again, 154 uh, rebounds, 8.1 rebounds per game. Leading assists, Diana Stiles, 55 assists, 3.1 assists per game. Leading steals, Alexis Hobbs, 32 steals and 1.7 steals per game. Leading blocks, Alexis Hobbs, 28 blocks, 1.5 blocks per game. Most minutes played throughout the season, Alexis Hobbs with 683 minutes, averaging 35.9 minutes per game. And leading turnovers, Alexis Hobbs, 54 turnovers with 2.8 turnovers per game. Um, Mountain East Conference women's basketball standings through uh, February 4th, 2015. We have Fairmont State and the number one spot, 17-4 conference, or overall, and 11-4 in conference play. University of Charleston, 16-5 overall, with an 11-4 record in the conference. Shepard coming in at number three, with a 14-7 overall record and an 11-4 conference record. And West Liberty, 14-7 overall, with an 11-4 uh, conference record. Notre Dame College comes in the fifth spot, 13-8 oh, overall, with a 9-6 conference record. Wheeling Jesuit, 11-7 overall, with an 8-6 conference record. Glenville State in at seven with a ten and nine overall record and an eight and seven conference record. Number eight UVA wise eight and thirteen overall with a seven and eight conference record. Number nine Concord University is at a six and thirteen overall record with a six and nine conference record. West Virginia State University comes in at tenth with a six and thirteen overall record and a four and ten conference record. Number eleven West Virginia Wesleyan two and sixteen with a two and thirteen conference record. And last but not least, Urbana University coming in with a 1-20 overall record and a 1-14 record in conference play. Um, again, much like the men's um, teams in the Mountain East Conference, top four teams get a buy and up. They're all up there with 11-4. Yeah. Um, so it'll be hard for a team to kind of break that, that, you know, that stranglehold that those top four teams have as the fifth, the fifth best team is sitting with a 9-6 record. So they're going to need to go on a little bit of a streak. And it is Notre Dame College, and they have Martha Nagby on their team who has been um, named Mountain East Conference Player of the Week several times throughout the course of the season. So, you know, if anybody can do it, I think this team, Notre Dame, could do it. Also, Willie Jesuit was a really good uh, basketball team, and West Virginia State got a good quality win with a, beating them this past weekend. Um, alumni Night at WVSU Basketball Games scheduled for February 19, 2015. Building on the success of last year's event, Alumni Relations will once again host Alumni Night at WVSU Women's and Men's Basketball Games on Thursday, February 19, 2015, when the Yellow Jackets take on Notre Dame College at the Walker Convocation Center. Tip-off for the women's game is at 5.30 p.m., and tip-off for the men's game is at 7.30 p.m. Alumni will enjoy free admission to the games, a special reception between games, and activities and prizes throughout the evening. So make sure if you're a West Virginia State University alumni and you're um, you can if you're not in the area and you but you can make it in, make sure you come out for a, a great night of basketball to be a, two quality opponents as Notre Dame College comes into town, um, and just come in and support the Yellow Jackets and watch some great basketball. WVSU recruiting news and notes. 
Washington State University head coach John Anderson released the names of this year's recruits on Wednesday. A total of 23 new Yellow Jackets committed <coughs> excuse me, committed to suit up for Anderson in uh, the fall, including a trio of West Virginia high school players. This group of student-athletes are dedicated to achieving excellence in everything uh, that they do, Anderson said. We have a group of talented athletes, but also a group that uh, that is passionate about learning their degree at West Virginia State University. The recruits have drawn from eight different states. I am excited, as I have been here at State, about what the future holds, not only for this year's class, but for the entire state football team, said uh, Coach Anderson. The West, uh, the West Virginians who committed to playing for the uh, Yellow Jackets in the fall are Ravens Wood, uh, Ravens Woods, um, Roz Jellich. I think it's Reese Yellick. I think I don't. I don't know. I don't. Uh, honestly, I haven't followed too much Ravenswood football. I, I, I haven't either. Reese Yellick, uh, five foot eight, two hundred five, two hundred five pounds, uh, fullback. And we have Cabell Middle and standout Nathan Jefferson, a six foot four, two hundred fifty five pound offensive lineman, and Capitol High's Carson Lawrence, who is a six foot one, one hundred ninety pound safety. Uh, Yellick set a school. School record set school records most uh, yards gained in a game and season, most points in a game season and career, and most touchdowns in a game season and a career. As a senior, he accounted for 3,251 yards of total offense and 47 touchdowns. He also recorded 93 tackles and ran back three punts for touchdowns. Warrants played this year for the class AAA state championship uh, Cougars after moving from moving to Charleston from Maryland. He forced eight turnovers, made four fumble recoveries, and intercepted four passes during the season. He was also the long snapper on kicks and played on special teams. And, uh, you know, just looking at those three guys from West Virginia, from West Virginia, um, you know, the the fullback from Ravenswood, Reese Yellick, his, um, that's pretty impressive. For a fullback. Yeah, for a fullback, um, I look for him maybe to be, maybe don't want to, you know, look too far into the future, but maybe like a, a goal line back, somebody who can get those tough yards, but also, yeah. you know, have a have the breakaway speed to once he gets through that line, just be able to run away from guys. Yeah, you know, do, do you know, uh, run them on the one yard line instead of passing, you know. Yeah. Poor what Marshawn should have done. Yeah, do what the Seahawks should have uh, done. Um, and with that, we're going to play an interview. Um, as we said last night, we went, or as we said earlier in the show, we went to um, the the signing day. Ceremonies um, held on campus last night. Um, before I play the interview, I just want to um, give a special thanks to uh, West Virginia State University's head coach John Anderson, defensive coordinator Nick Benedetto, um, assistant coaches Tim Blow, um, and all the other coaches who you know took time to come out and uh, talk to us. You know they they made the time to sit down and talk to us and um, just. Also, just wanted to thank those guys for doing that. They didn't. They didn't have to, no. um, and and that really makes a makes us feel uh, pretty welcome. Well, yeah, they they kept, they kept asking us, you know, y'all riding with us next year? Yeah, they were they were really um, really interested to make sure that we we were going to continue to travel with the team in order to to provide coverage for the team. So, without further ado, here's the interview from Coach John Anderson, and I will play that right now. So I'm not sure with the music playing how well that I'm sure that did, <laughs> how well that turned out. So we'll just talk about you, pretty much what you what you went over. Um, okay. Um, it's uh, 
it's always exciting on, on signing day because it's a culmination of, of a lot of hard work for the staff and, and a lot of people that helped us on this at, at this university to, to bring these families in and, and show them everything that, that West Virginia State has to offer. And it, it's, it's exciting to see that uh, that culminate in a commitment. And, and, and these guys are, are setting themselves up for a great football experience, a great degree. Um, there's a lot of things that go into that. It's, it's critical that um, there's a relationship that, that's built there. And uh, I can't say enough about the staff that goes out and, and spends time away from their families and really builds those relationships. That can't be done overnight. That, that, that takes time. And, and, you know, we've already started on the, on the, on the, the 2016 class. And, and recruiting gets earlier and earlier every year. It seems that way. And, and it's no different for us either. But uh, truly what it comes down to is, is, is we need to identify uh, great athletes, great students, uh, and great people. Uh, I'm real greedy. I want all three uh, when it comes to our players that come in here. And then uh, uh, build that relationship and, and, and convince them that uh, um, or show them that, that West Virginia State's the place for them. Is it safe to say that you've, you've worked pretty hard to develop the Virginia area as a kind of like a, not a, I don't want to say a pipeline state, but, but, but kind of say a pipeline state for yeah, and again, it comes and goes every year. We 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 spend a lot of our, majority of our resources and time in, in the in the region of the states that that, that touch West Virginia. Uh, in the past, you saw very heavy Ohio influence, and, and that's no different. We put time in there, just like we have every other year. But it, but it just so turned out the luck of a draw was was we got a, a handful of guys from Virginia this year. Uh, you're gonna see Kentucky uh, represented. Uh, great guys there. You're gonna continue to see uh, Maryland in the D.C. area. And then you know, uh, one thing I'm really proud of is that we are uh, uh, becoming more and more of an option for our, our great players in the state. And that, that wasn't always so. When we first got here, we had uh, uh, eight guys on our roster from the state of West Virginia, and we're West Virginia State. Uh, I'm proud to say after a couple years of this staff and, and, and our recruiting, you know, now uh, close to a third of our roster is from in-state, and, and that will continue to climb, and we're going to continue to find and compete for the best players in the state. So, um, yeah, Virginia's represented this year, and, and but that's uh, it's, it's the region that we're working in, and, and obviously great football players all over that state. And, and very close, and, and it's uh, just kind of the luck of the draw where, where the where the talent comes and where we're able to secure guys from. I know as a as a graduate from South Charleston High School, um, I'm pretty excited about getting um, a fellow Black Eagle um, over here at Institute. I know we've had Baby and Payne in the past, and uh, a few other players. Um, talk a little bit about Trayvon Reese coming back to back to Institute. He's got a family connection here at the university as well, with his dad being in the Hall of Fame. Um, Trayvon was the guy that I tried to recruit uh, uh, the first month I was on this job and, and uh, uh, started to develop a relationship with him at that point and, and, and he went a different direction and, and we always kept him in contact when he'd be home and be around. I'd see him around on campus as he said and, and uh, you know it, it was just the right time and, and it worked out and um, uh, we're, we're excited as all get out to have him here on campus. He's going to be competing and earning a spot this spring. Uh, He's, he's continued to develop as a student athlete uh, um, while he was uh, in another program. And just to be able to uh, uh, get a guy like that the second time around just, just really speaks to the uh, uh, development.
development of our program and, and uh, um, something that uh, one thing I always tell our staff is to not burn any bridges. If you, if you don't get the guy the first time around, as disappointing as it may be, you know, here's a classic example of uh, you get a guy after the fact or, or later on down the road. So we're excited in the end. Uh, I know he is too. He's a great academic guy and, and, and really uh, works his tail off and we'll look to find him a, him a role within our offense. I know you said earlier on that you know this this is just the first day, it's not the last day. Um, early on, your hall of, it was 23 players, correct? With, with the 23 players, um, how does that break down on offense and defense? How many? Right now we're a little heavier on defense and I uh, um, don't want anybody to read into that. We will continue to sign players and, and uh, like I said, I'm expecting more answers tonight as we speak and we'll release those when appropriate, but uh, um, really, you know, on both sides of football looking for guys that uh, can, can come in and help right away or come in and provide depth and, and do those things and be great playmakers or whatever spot they're in. I know um, when we were watching the highlights of the of several of the players, you had uh, quite a few players who played on both sides of the ball. Do you um, try to go to find those players um, or is that just the way it turns out? Or is that something you kind of look for? Well, guys with that kind of it, it depends on the type, size of the school they come from, but invariably the best players on those teams are going to be playing on both sides of the football just because uh, the, the value they bring to their team and, and uh, um, you know, you don't, you're not going to keep your best player just on one side of the football. So it, it kind of works out that way. Um, we're looking for guys that are versatile, guys that, uh, you know, when I see a guy that, that winds up at corner, lines up at linebacker, will play defensive end in pass rush situation, and then it's taking 20 carries a game as a running back. That's just athleticism and, 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 and football smart. So um, obviously that stands out and something that uh, you're recruiting uh, the, the, the best type of players you can, you're going to find those types of guys. All right, Coach, well, I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to do this interview with us. And uh, best of luck for with the rest of the recruiting class and heading into the next season. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, and that was, again, just when I can't stress it enough how uh, grateful we are to the coaching staff here at West Virginia State University. Um, Coach John Anderson and the rest of his staff have um, done, not, have done, you know, have been at, been there for us whenever with whatever questions we need um, to ask, and they've just been really supportive of not only um, us as students, but also you know as as we grow as broadcasters with giving us um, access to the team and to <clears throat> to the coaching staff, whether that's going over and sending into an interviews or coming out and watching practices and stuff like that. So again, just just we could not be more grateful to the coaching staff here in Institute. Um, and with that, let me pull up our notes real fast again. We're going to move into the, uh, the bad news segment. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I will go first, and then we will alternate as we always do. Yeah. I think I th I'm going to try next, next episode to not kind of telegraph, just, just we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've got it now. I think we've yeah, got it we down. Just kind of announce it there. We are going to do vice versa, <laughs> back and forth. Um, last night, despite another huge night by formal, former Marshall standout um, Hassan Whiteside, who uh, through the last five games is averaging 17.4 points per game, 15.8 rebounds per game, 0.2 assists per game, 1 steal per game, 2.2 blocks per game, and all that in 31 minutes per game. 
Um, the Miami Heat lost in glorious bonehead fashion on the road to the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Heat were down by one with 40 seconds left in the game as Norris Cole attempted to inbound the ball to Hassan Whiteside. And what happens next is just priceless. Cole inbounds the ball to Whiteside and then motions for Whiteside to step out of bounds in order to throw the in order to attempt to get the ball inbounds to Norris Cole. They do this in front of the ref. The ref, you know, sees that the ball is, you know, goes into to Whiteside mm-hmm. and then steps out of bounds. So it's a turnover. Yeah. And so there was like, I think there was like 30-some seconds left in the game when this happened. The Heat were down by, you know, as I said, with one point, and they had the ball and had an opportunity to win. But just just boneheadedness. They, um, and, and, you know, I, we haven't got a chance to talk about Whiteside. Do you watch, I know you're a fan of Marshall football. Do you watch their basketball team? That I, I try to keep up with their basketball team as much as possible. I know that the basketball team is not doing very well, very good this year. Um, really, Marshall basketball doesn't get televised that much, or it doesn't really get covered. Yeah, yeah. The only time it really is televised is when you know when they're playing WVU. That's really the only time I get to watch Marshall basketball. And, and I mean, and that's coming from a local standpoint. So it's hard yeah. to it's hard to how many games of theirs actually end up on a you know on the on a national level because, like yeah. you said, they don't really get the they're they WVU's little brother in yeah. the state, um, and they don't really get the the. Televised the television that they deserve. Well, like you know, Marshall football. Marshall uh, didn't get uh, televised on Fox Sports One until their last game of the season that they lost. That was the only game that was that was televised on Fox Sports One. Other than that, it was on local stations, and uh, I can't remember what I, I can't. I don't know what the name of the station is right off my right off the tip of my tongue, but it's it's really crappy. It reminds you of uh, CBS football on Sundays. <laughs> Um, but so so you you are familiar with Hassan Whiteside though? Do you yeah. remember watching him at uh, Marshall? The guy is a little bit of an enigma to people outside of West Virginia or outside of his hometown. You know he he got drafted by the by the Kings and yeah. he came out. He he lied, he stuck around there for a little bit. They they released him. He played in the D League. He played in church leagues. <laughs> he played in leagues over in China and in Turkey. Played everywhere um, he could. Yeah, he played wherever he could. When the Heat found him, he was playing in a in a YMCA, just trying to stay you know fit and basketball ready. That's looking like a steal, the Hassan Whiteside signing to the Heat because you know he's he's averaging you know he's putting up insane numbers. Um, I know the other night he had a. Uh, I think he had a triple double against the Timberwolves, and you know he's the first Heat player to do that since Shaq. So I mean that's that's pretty good company if you're Hassan Whiteside. So you know, just uh, congratulations to Hassan Whiteside on the season he's had, um, and just hopefully next time you guys figure out once the ball's inbounds you can't step out. Yeah, yeah. If he if he motions you to do that, you. You, you don't you don't do it no no you hand the ball off or go for a three just don't step out of bounds <laughs> I don't know basketball all that well but I know that <laughs> okay NHL and NBC are at odds with each other and here is why ESPN has uh, reportedly won the bidding to broadcast the World Cup of Hockey an eight team NHL NHLPA run tournament to be held in Toronto in uh, 2016. TSN's uh, Rick Westhead, who first reported the ESPN agreement, claims that that NBC, the league's television partner, 
feels like it was used for its Super Bowl swag and suits. This is the tweet sent out by TSN's Rick Westhead. Some NBC executive uh, executives upset. They believe NHL delaying tell NHL delayed telling them. Wow, he really has to get his grammar right. Telling them World Cup news until after Super Bowl, so NHL could use in NBC hospitality venues. Yeah, uh, the the thing is, you know, the the NHL and NBC are just just bickering back and forth. It's kind of like dating a girl with a beach house, but not dumping her during the summer or until after the summer's over because you want to use her beach house. That's uh-huh. kind of basically what this was like. Um, you know, they were mad because they felt that the, the decision was already made about who was going to get the TV deal for for this tournament, and um, you know they. They're they're pretty upset, and I mean, rightfully so. If if you're gonna let your let these executives come in and use your suites and use you know all the free stuff that you're gonna give them by coming and doing the Super Bowl, you know, coming to the Super Bowl stuff, then yeah, you would you would think you know they'd have the decency to be like, hey, by the way, you didn't get the contract for the tournament; it's going to ESPN. So I mean, I I can kind of see where they're they're kind of bickering at, but you you honestly you're on. Well, I don't know if I would if I would say it this far, but you're kind of on a better sports network with ESPN. Yeah, you you definitely you have more um, more exposure. You definitely oh, yeah. have more exposure, and you know NBC. But NBC usually is the ones that you know show the hockey games and show the soccer games. Yeah, and show those you know don't want to call them second tier sports, but in the grand scheme of things, when you have baseball, basketball, and football, and even to some extent NASCAR, those sports are you know much more popular with the, I would say, with the greater American population yeah. than, than maybe soccer. And I think that's going to change sooner rather than later with the popularity of, you know, um, pro leagues throughout the country and the, the popularity of World Cup. And, and the FIFA games. Yeah, and, and FIFA I, I, and all I that. I don't know where that came from. Did yeah, you, it, it used to be people, I know when I first, when I was living in the dorms, it was, hey, let's play NCAA or let's play Madden and now it's like, or let's play NBA 2K. And now it's hey, I'll, I'll play you in FIFA. You know, talking about. No. I, I have you ever played a FIFA game? I've played one FIFA game. I'm terrible. I, yeah, I'm horrible. I I don't know. Like I just can't get the controls down or what. But like I'll end up getting beat like five to nothing, and I'm just like, this is not my sport. I can't do it. I, I'm the same way with basketball games. I cannot get the controls for them down. Now football game, I can get it down. They're they're, they're easy. But when yeah. it comes to basketball, and I like I said, I played one FIFA game. Did not like it. I don't see what the big deal it's is. It's not for you, huh? No, no. I'm not a FIFA guy. I'll let you do this one since it's since it's your team, too. No, I've seen that. Coastal linebacker Dequel uh, Jackson is back in the news again for something other than starting the flight gate. In D.C., Jackson allegedly punched a 31-year-old pizza delivery uh, driver in the head twice over a parking spot. Jackson was cited on Tuesday for simple assault following the events. You know, um, do you remember when Nate Burleson broke his arm um, when he got in a car wreck? I think it was either, I think it was the season before last. He got in a car wreck because he was trying to save his pizza. He he went to pick it up and he, I guess he slammed his brakes and I I don't I don't remember that. So after that, the reason I brought that up after that, DiGiorno's spawn gave him um, like a lifetime supply of their pizzas <laughs> and said, hey, you know, because the other thing is, you know, avoid the delivery driver and stuff yeah. like that. Maybe maybe Dequel Jackson is the next DiGiorno sponsor. Maybe. Because, you know, 
if you're getting in a fight over a parking spot, and these are both grown men, let's point that out there. Dequell Jackson's not a rookie, and the pizza delivery driver is 31 years old. So you know maybe Dequell Jackson should uh, should should bake his pizza in the oven instead of you know. I'm not I'm not a big fan of DiGiorno pizza. I like their stuffed crust pizza. I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a pizza snob to be honest. I I like pizza. A yeah. lot. Yeah, Hungry Howie's. Yes, Hungry Howie's. And I'm still upset that when we went on that trip to Notre Dame College, we did not get any. I, I, I was going to yeah. gonna get some, but you they just know. couldn't figure out where we were at. You never know. But no, uh, yeah, I do. I like, I like the stuffed crust pizza, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, you know Sam's Choice? Mm-hmm. How they got, you know, all those exotic f- flavors, like they got Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, I get, I get those all the time. Have you had Domino's Philly cheesesteak pizza? No, not yet. It is delicious. Oh, great! I'm gonna have to do it. It is delicious. Where's their Where's the closest Domino's? St. Albans. I don't know if it delivers here. It doesn't deliver to my house, and I don't even live that far from St. Albans. (laughs) I never go down the same. As the way I told one of the coaches yesterday, I don't go down that way very often, unless I'm going to a Marshall game or uh, to a friend of mine's house. But that's that's very rare. You usually when you leave here, you usually head towards the capital, up the river. I head that way. Not that way. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Vice versa. <laughs> but yeah, maybe uh, maybe Dequel Jackson, maybe heads up DiGiorno. You know, hey, if it pans out for you, maybe you can throw us some, some stuffed crust pizza. Or maybe invent a Philly pizza in honor of El Jefe Loco, you know. Or, Who knows? Or, you know, the nacho uh, chili cheese. Yeah. Jalapenos, you know. Put that in I'm there. saying, DiGiorno, right now, you should, you should hire El Jefe Loco to maybe be your... Um, one of your idea guys. I think he's got some great ideas. Hey, you ever had a trash can pizza? No. It's not what you think it is. You just find stuff out of your, out of your refrigerator. Uh, like, just throw it on there? Yeah, like we put chicken nuggets and barbecue sauce and hot sauce, and we'll even throw ham in there sometimes. Whatever we can get out of the fridge, we're going to put it on that, and that's why it's called a trash can pizza. How is ham and chicken nuggets together? It's awesome, actually. Is it? It's, it is. You put barbecue sauce on that and just spread mozzarella. I think barbecue helps anything. Yeah, barbecue sauce helps it. We know You put Texas Pete on there, mozzarella cheese all over the place. It's awesome. <laughs> I will have to take your word on it because I'm not a big fan of chicken nuggets or ham. But, it, you know, to each their own. Yeah. I'll, take, yeah, I'll yeah. take your word on that one. You know, you, just, uh, you know the Chef Boy RD? Yeah, the pizza little pizza makers? Yeah, yeah, that's what you do. You get that, you make a crust, and then... That's actually a good pizza, the, yeah. the Chef Boyardee um, do-it-yourself pizza. So kudos to you, Chef Boyardee. You, exactly. You, you not only can make good ravioli, but you can also make good make-your-own-pizzas at the house. <laughs> uh, moving right along, uh, since the early 2000s, many WNBA players have also played for teams overseas. The WNBA season is only four months long, so they can effectively play for two teams in one year. They do this for obvious reasons, money. Brittany Griner, who was a WNBA sensation during her rookie season, was paid just $49,440. In China, she earns $600,000 a year. Um, After 10 years of bouncing back and forth between the United States and Europe, playing basketball year-round, Diana Taurasi is tired. She may have finished second in MVP voting as she led the Phoenix Mercury to the 2014 WNBA Championship but when they hand out their rings and unveil the championship banner in four months, Tarasi won't be there. According to Kate Fagan, uh, Tarasi's Russian team, UMMC Katerinburg, team owner who has a team owner with a net worth of $5.3 billion, is paying her more than her WNBA salary is to take the season off. UMMC Katerinburg pays Tarasi $1.5 million. While her 2015 WNBA salary would have been right around the maximum of $109,000 in 
Tarasi penned a letter to the fans explaining her decision. The year-round nature of women's basketball takes its toll, and the financial opportunity with my team in Russia would have been irresponsible to turn down. They offered to pay me to rest, and I've decided to take them up on it. I want to be able to take care of myself and my family when I'm done playing. You may be wondering how European teams can afford to pay players so much more than WNBA teams. There are different explanations for different teams in different countries. <clears throat> but here's Jim Capel back in 2007 when Tarasi played for Spartak Moscow. Like most owners, Von Klamanovic says he loses money on his team. Unlike most owners, however, his claims are believable. Spartak averaged approximately 3,000 fans a game, but the specific attendance doesn't really matter because tickets are free. The plan is to get fans hooked and then start charging a mission. He says the team also pays to have hits games televised. With salaries, travel, publicity, overhead, and a youth basketball school his wife manages, Von Klamanovic estimates this year's expenses would run $5 million to $6 million. And how much revenue does he take in? There's zero revenue. I take in nothing. When basketball is your passion and you're part of the new Russian oligarchy, what is $6 million over the course of a season? One person said he saw Von Klamanovic go through $1 million in a single weekend trip to France. I have friends who go to casinos, Von Klamanovic said. I know friends who risk on the stock exchange. I'm Lithuanian. For me, basketball is everything. It's a hobby, a pleasure, a casino, whatever you want. There are six or seven owners like him in Russia, Tarasi said. They're hotheads who want the best women's basketball team, and that's their hobby. So they don't care how much they pay. So that right there, that's crazy. Um, but, you know, a, an example closer to home, you know, when we talked to, to Dan Reed, he, you know, he, he talked about how it's a hobby. He doesn't make, you know, he might break even at the end of the season. He's definitely not getting rich off of it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, he, he talked about that, and he said it's, it's a hobby. He said, you know, much like the article said. That, that's, that's also what it was reminding me of. Yeah, when I, was, when I found this article, I was like, that's, that's perfect. Also, a little segue, I teased a little bit um, on last week's episode. If you didn't listen to it, shame on you, but you're going to get the goods anyway. Um, myself and El Jefe Loco this summer have taken an opportunity to further our careers and we're going to be providing the play-by-play -play and caller commentary for the uh, semi-pro team from West Virginia, the West Virginia Lightning. Um, we met with team owner Dan Reed um, over the course of a couple weeks and uh, hashed out a, a, a plan, and we're going to um, work with him uh, and broadcasting the game. So I just wanted to give that out there. Yeah. And uh, I know I, I'm looking forward to it as it's another another chapter in my illustrious broadcasting career. <laughs> um, I'm also looking forward to it because it's more experience and you know it's a resume builder. It's showing that I'll after I graduate I'll have four four year four full years of broadcast experience calling football on the collegiate level, and you know I will have some experience calling on the semi pro level. So that'll look good on my resume as well. So. It's all about building that building that ladder to success. Oh yeah, build that portfolio. Most definitely. Um, so you know, if you're fans of our show, you can definitely hear us in more more ways this summer. Oh yeah, as uh, the Lightning games will be. Um, I think they're going to do it on UStream. When once we find out more information about that, we will we'll get that info out to you. So if you're a fan of West Virginia Lightning, if you're a fan of fan of us. Whatever the case may be. If you're just uh, a fan of football. Yeah, if you're a fan of football, this, they play in the summer, so it's it's a break. Um, there's no NFL, there's no college, there's no high school, no junior high, no midget league. Whatever you're into, there's there's no other football going on. So uh, if you're a fan of football, 
Definitely check them out. I kind of went uh, John Madden there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Football! <laughs> you know what makes a great... Um... Crap, I don't forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, did it get lonely up here in the booth without me? <laughs> it did. It I, it was it was really kind of weird. Um, I was here by myself. I, uh, it was at nighttime, and I heard people banging around, like, not, like just knocking on the walls and stuff out there. And it it was night and everything was dark up here. I think I don't even think I turned the lights on in the booth. So like I was like, oh crap, I'm gonna get murdered up here. It, 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 it does get like this because I've been up here many a times by myself because of after games. I you know I come up here and I shut everything off and it does it, get, it gets real creepy up here at night. Yeah, there's nobody ever up here. Oh, not not remember. You know what makes a great wedding? What? Brett Favre. Brett Favre. <laughs> And moving right along now to our Snap Jab segment. This one too, just because it's kind of near and dear to me, I guess. That's kind of weird to say. Um, it's it's, it's close kinda, to his heart. Yeah, it's really close to my heart. I'm an old man at heart, like honestly. Um, you know, I might be 26, but I, I'm, I'm really an old man. I have a lot of old man tendencies. Um, but anyway, enough about me. <laughs> um, moving on to the Snap Jab segment. Uh, sports talk radio beef is real. Everyone knows that just like in the world of sports is extremely competitive, so too is the world of broadcasting. And to make it to the next level, you need to be good at what you do. Colin Cowherd took to the airwaves earlier in this week to stoke his ego and the egos of his friends by speaking highly of his and their work ethics. In doing so, he would also take shots at Dan Patrick, who left ESPN over 18 years of work over 18 years of after 18 years of work, gosh, to branch out and do his own thing, um, and so I'm gonna play a little clip from the Dan Patrick show um, where he talks about the interview, and I'll just let you listen to it, and it's coming your way right now. A lot, it's coming right now. But briefly, but uh, I guess Colin Cowherd, who. Uh was talking about Jim Rome and Skip Bayless's work ethic and himself, Colin throwing himself in there about how hard they work and that I have 35 producers and somehow I'm lazy and don't have a good work ethic. I'm paraphrasing. I was just told about this yesterday. Um, I don't have 35 producers. I don't work at the Worldwide Leader. Um, I do have two producers here who did work on Colin's show. And the one thing that I do is I give credit to my producers on the air. It's not a one-man show. So all the people behind the scenes who help Colin do his show, they don't get any recognition. I choose to recognize the people who work on this show, and that's why I have them with me. As far as work ethic, I don't know how hard Colin Cowherd works or Skip Bayless or Jim Rome. I assume they work hard. Hope they do. Uh, if you want to compare me to Skip Bayless, fine. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. But uh, Colin should understand two people who work with me on SportsCenter who are in management at ESPN actually emailed yesterday to apologize, saying they were embarrassed that Colin would bring up something like that. I don't think Colin, Colin needs to work harder at understanding how hard we work on this show. That would be my suggestion. And what was it? A couple of years ago, I wasn't on his radar. Now I'm on his show. So must be doing something right. And he's watching the show, which I appreciate. But... Hey, you want to criticize? You can criticize. You want to use your airtime? Go ahead. You can criticize all you want. If you're criticizing me because of the Rob Gronkowski moment on the podium, you have every right to do it. Guilty as charged. I, I criticize myself. But you know what, Colin? I'm good enough 
to be able to make a mistake in front of 100 million people. Are you? And here's one thing. We all have ESPN muscles. I had them for 18 years. Leave ESPN. Get out and do what I do. Try it. Try a radio network. Try a simulcast. Maybe a column for Sports Illustrated. Oh, that's right. Host the Olympics in Football Night in America. And do Sports Jeopardy as well, Colin. Try that. And then we can discuss work ethic. Until then, enjoy your show. Enjoy your life. Because it'll be over one day and nobody will care. Just like nobody's going to care about what I'm saying right now. i got to take a nap. I'm exhausted from working so hard on this show. <laughs> Actually, technically, Dan, we've been doing all the work, so. And Colin, <laughs> should be tired. that's true, you're right. And Colin, you are the guy who told me in Dallas at the Super Bowl that you were getting rid of the fourth hour because, in your words, working too hard. All right, and that was, um, again, that was the Dan Patrick show earlier in the week when um, he was responding to the just to to the trash talk of Colin Cowherd. Do you listen to Sports Talk Radio? Uh, no. 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 Well, at least you're honest. You're young though, too. You're you're what? You're I'm eight. Ni- I'm nineteen. You're nineteen. I'm, I turn twenty next month. Yeah, so you're still a baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm the baby of the whole department. <laughs> I really am. Like it's everybody. I'm like Scotty's in his thirties. You're twenty six. Stevenson's twenty three. Yes, I think Stevens is twenty three too. Yeah, and uh, I think I think Forrest is twenty three as well. I'm nineteen. I haven't even hit twenty yet. So yeah, I'm the baby. Um, I I do like I said I I do listen to sports talk radio, and honestly, when I first started listening to sports talk radio several years ago, I, I listened to guys like Jim Rome, um, and Colin Cowherd, and just guys like that. Um, but as I got older. Or I guess the more I listen to it, Jim Rome is okay in, in short bursts, and I'm not I'm not like trying to like bash anybody because it's the profession I want to get into. Um, Jim Rome does a one man show. It's good. It's funny. He he has some fresh takes. He he has a lot of callers. A lot of um, he he does a lot of you know where people call in and he'll talk with them, and, they, and it's really fan interaction was the word I was searching for, and it's really good. Colin Cowherd does a show, and when I first started, I was like, man, this guy is so smart, he, he really knows his stuff, and, I, and I'm not saying he doesn't, but what I'm saying is now, as I've listened to it and I've been exposed to more guys in the, in, on the scene, he just comes off as like a, a very, you know, nasally, whiny um, guy, <laughs> for a, like a, a, rich, a rich old white guy who just complains about everything and just loves the sound of his voice. That's that's really you know how I I feel about Coward. Does he know his stuff? Yes. Is he talented at what he does? Yes. But is he for me? No. Um, at the time slot now, instead of listening to Colin Cowherd, I listen to, to the Dan Patrick Show. It's more of I, I think it has a more of a feel of kind of what we do. Um, there's Dan Patrick, and then he has the Danettes. There's two producers and two other guys who are on the show. So it's got more of a you know a community feeling, and it's. I like his takes a lot better than Colin Cowherd, and it, and it's not so much about himself. He's not really trying to, you know, make everyone kneel at the the altar of Dan Patrick. He's yeah. you know, this is what I'm doing. This is this is what I like. You know, if you like it, awesome. We can talk about it. If not, we can debate it. Whatever. Yeah. Um. So that that's I really like that part. Uh, one of the guys, a couple of the guys that I really like to listen to, uh, and they're on actually right now as we're recording. Um, Scott Van Pelt and Ron Vis- Ron Rosillo. 
Um, they are really some, two of the guys that I really model my, my type of sports radio that I want to do after. Um, they're younger guys. They 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 come with you know better better takes. And again, a lot like Dan Patrick, they're not you know everybody must kneel before me. I'm you know I'm so great. You know they've talked about how how they've been fired from jobs. They talk about you know just all this stuff about them, and I they're real easy to relate to. And I don't know if it's I'm closer in age with them than I am with any of the other guys, but they're really who uh, who resonates with me right now. But you know, again, that's my little soapbox. Everyone in the in the profession got there for the reason, for one reason. They're good at what they do. Hopefully, one day I'm good enough to be on, you know, to be to to be able to say that I'm able to walk amongst them. Um, but you know, that's years from now or whatever. But you know, with that being said, there are you know people who are overly cocky in anything that you do. Well, you and, know, and, and, and I've worked at McDonald's. There was people who was overly <laughs> cocky. All right. And, you know, Colin Coward is, is definitely one of those guys. He's talented, and uh, I'm not saying he's not, but he just, he he just, I can't stand him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just can't stand him. Um, And with that, I'm going to step off from down off my high, my high horse, and uh, right. we're going to move the show on. I, I don't think you're on a high horse. Yeah, it might be a pony. Might be a pony. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I I know you 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 are twenty times more into this than what I am. Me, any, anybody that listens to me, this is one hundred percent me. Mm-hmm. This is sort of a G-rated version of me, and you know this. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I model my 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 style after anybody. I I do I do my own thing. I'm just like, yeah, this is me. This is Jeff. This is what you got. This is it's, who I am. You like it, you like it. If you don't, this is Hefe. This is Mr. El Hefe. <laughs> well, Hefe, you're gonna like the names in this this next story. You're gonna have fun with these. Oh gosh, I'm gonna. Oh man, I can see one of them. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be fun. Moving along. Wednesday was National Signing Day for uh, college football, and like any school that wants to get uh, wants to get good. I'm you terrible, might, yeah. I, I typed this. I'm terrible grammar. When I typed it, it sounded really good, but it should be better. <laughs> like any school that wants to get good, you must be willing to take a calculated risk uh, sometimes. That is exactly what BYU did when they signed six foot seven, 410-pound Motike Lange from uh, Liabana? Liahona. Liahona, Toga. Uh, the coaches of BYU have have no game tape of any kind on this young man. Uh, they went on a video clip from two years ago of Lange playing pickup basketball and pounced on the recruit who has a family connect, family connection to BYU. His cousin Harvey Lange, six foot two, two 240 pounds, who is a sophomore linebacker on the team, we will... Uh, we will tweet on uh, out a picture of the two standing side side by side, just to realize how big uh, Moteki really is. We won't see uh, Moteki on the field for a while, uh, however, because of his Mormon faith, he will soon be taking a mission trip, which will last for the next two years. So yeah, like I said, we're going to send out a picture of, of, the, of these two young men, and you know, Harvey's, Harvey's older than, um, than the younger Moteki, but uh, 
he's he's dwarfed by him. You know, usually a six foot two, two hundred forty pound guy, that's going to be the biggest guy in the room on most cases. Yeah, but when you bring in your nephew who who dwarfs you at six foot seven, four hundred and ten pounds, you definitely uh, you just got knocked down a couple yeah. of things. Uh, um, and, I don't want to stand beside him. And they were talking. Um, I read an article. They were talking. He was like, you know, the coaches. He was like, I don't. He's like, you can't really say four hundred ten pounds is lean. He said because there's no way. He was like, but he's not fat. He's solid. He's just a <laughs> solid. And I mean, looking at the picture of him, he's not like you know some big you know just massive just just flab and you know and and, and guts and stuff. But he he's a really like well put together just. Monster, like yeah. uh, like uh, he's gonna be um gonna be really interesting to watch. Now whether that pans out, you know, like I said, two years we'll see where where they are. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully I remember this in two years and and hopefully I'll catch a BYU game and see see this young man and see how he can do. It's kind of like uh, when uh, when I this past uh, playoff season I watched because Vince Wilfork is not all that tall. No, he's but really he not. Is, he has a big gut on him. He does. He, and it's just funny watching him play football. He and he he's a he's a he's star. dominant. Yeah, he's a. They have to double team him, and I, this may have, they might have to triple team him. <laughs> uh, fake it till you make it uh, should be the motto for these next two guys from across the Atlantic. As we wrap up this week's snap jab segment with a story from the Super Bowl, two Seahawks fans who hail from Ireland got really lucky during Super Bowl Forty Nine as they snuck into the Super Bowl by just using confidence in a clipboard. Paul McEvey from Cahir in Tipperary and Richard Whalen from Dublin gained access to the University of Phoenix Stadium by following a group of first aid workers. Then the duo made their way towards the seats. They would seat hop from one open seat to the next uh, when people would get up to go get hot dogs or go get beer or do whatever they were going to do, you know, yeah. getting up from their seat, leaving their seat. Uh, they ultimately made it all the way down to the fourth row in seats that cost roughly $25,000 that were vacant. Um, when they caught some good, more good luck, more good luck, uh, two seats opened up because the inhabitants of the seats were girls that were um, involved in the halftime show when Paul and Richard ended up sitting next to Patriots great Lawyer Malloy, who provided play-by-play for these lucky fans. So these guys really, uh, really... One, they're fortunate they didn't get caught, you know, seat hopping. First, they were lucky to have got in there. Yeah. Second, they were lucky they didn't get caught seat hopping. And third, you know, that's a pretty pretty awesome story that they have right now. You know, and they even, because I was um, following the article, they posted pictures of, like, of the day. Uh, they were trying to get Super Bowl tickets but not, you know, not spend an arm and a leg because this was the year, this year's, past year's Super Bowl, uh, the, or the one that we just had was the most expensive Super Bowl yeah. that, for tickets. Um, I, I, I read about that, and I, I think Ticketmaster messed up on something. Yeah, some some people bought tickets and didn't even get them. Yeah, yeah they they messed up something real bad, and that's why they basically tripled this year. Yeah, uh, I think the the median price for tickets, and, and I'm not talking like great seats. I'm talking like just just nosebleeds. really yeah nosebleeds was seven to eight thousand dollars. I wouldn't do that. No, I would stay at home and watch the game. I would do what these guys did. <laughs> I might get caught. It it, I, I, it definitely took guts to do oh, yeah. to do that. Um, you know, obviously what they did was illegal, so we're not very, very illegal. we're not saying you know we we condone <laughs> illegal activities, uh, but you know that it's a cool story, and I'm sure it'll be one that you know many people around the world are, are going to be talking about. He, they basically snuck into a into the Super Bowl like a high school game. Yeah, most definitely. They just 
they were just like, okay, I'm just going to keep going. And um, they talked in the article, they, they spoke about how they only ran into security twice and they never were asked any questions or asked to show any, you know, IDs or tickets or anything. So I guess confidence goes a really long way. Must have. I know. I um, your name was fidgety, though. Oh, I, well, they said they were really nervous, but they wouldn't look behind them because then they'd look suspicious. Yeah. Um, I know on campus there was a professor, and um, they were talking to me about they used to sneak into concerts, and what they would do is just, just again, just pretend, just act like they were supposed to be there. Because nine times out of ten, people aren't going to go up to you and be like, excuse me, are you, you know, who are you? Because, you know, what if you do that to, say, you know, the host of some show or, like, some really important politician or movie star, and they're like, um, excuse me, wait a second, who who are you to be asking me? You know what I mean? So it's yeah. better to be safe than sorry and just be like, they must know what they're doing. They're here. I'm going to let it go. Who, who is, it, is this the professor that I'm thinking of? Probably. We both know him. Oh, okay, then I definitely know who, who it is. We both know them. Um, and with that, that's going to wrap it up for um, another episode of the Triple Name Sports Show. And it's going to be show 16. It's in the books. Again, lots of activities coming up. Um, in the upcoming weeks here on campus, there is the February 7th, there is the, um, the Cal Bailey ceremony um, going on, and we're going to send out the links to that. Um, again, you know, listen to the show earlier. You yeah. can, you can uh, if you made it this far, you've probably already listened, so I don't know why I'm saying that. But, you know, again, you, and also the information can be found on West Virginia State University's website. Um, if you're interested in coming to that, again, once this post, you're not going to have very much time to call an RSVP. No. Because today is the fifth when we record, just a little little inside look as to when we record this show. Uh, but without further ado, thank you for listening to the Triple Name Sports Show. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Lynch Kelly. And I'm your jack of all trades, El Jefe Loco. And uh, we're going to play a little trombone shorty to take us out of here. Mobcast Network.